What's up, you magnificent sons of bitches out there in whatever land you're in? <laughs> so, um, those listening on to my South Jersey Horror podcast and those who are watching this YouTube video, thank you for tuning in. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the movie What Josiah Saw, digging deep into this storyline. And figuring out what exactly the hell is going on. So, for those that have not seen this movie, you may not want to hear this episode. Just saying. It's now streaming on Shudder. It's starring Robert Patrick. You know, the liquid cop from Terminator 2. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's not Terminator 2 Anyway. <laughs> it's a really good movie. In my opinion, it's a... Um, from a psychological standpoint, it, it, it touched me. Well, it didn't really touch me. I want to say that I felt I, I felt the suspense in this movie. Because I thought it was really good. And the storyline is just fucking fantastic. So, if you have a chance to watch it, please do. Now, like I said, it's now streaming on Shutter. So, essentially, the movie is an anthology. Broken up into chapters. Um, a chapter for each main character in the story. It is not one we will call a, I wouldn't call it a cheerful movie. I mean, it's, it's dim. It's lonely. It's got that little Southern Gothic horror touch to it, but you know, it is type of cinematic endurance test that sets out to suffocate the joy. So it definitely reaches in there with the Southern Gothic horror. So, so essentially, it feels like you put it on fire, you bury the backyard, and then you take a leak on it. <laughs> it's, it's immoral, it's dark, and it's remorselessly morbid. So, it also has an abundantly miserable undertaking by design. <clears throat> I can't say it any other way than that. So, here we go. So, all of this may sound harsh and critical, what I just said. But is the only way to fully summarize the experience of what this movie is. It is a rare film that really shakes you to the core. Pulling you fully into the pits of despair. And leaving you feeling almost sick. So. If there is an easy way to break it down. There is abuse, violence, cruelty. At nearly every turn of this movie. An overpowering force that leaves you questioning why anyone would ever willingly watch this movie yet i did i don't know why i watched it all the way through but despite this you end up emerging on the other side with something resembling closure i guess that's what's all about is closure and in laying bare all the ugliest parts of this story it taps into something more biblical in its wretched ruthlessness there isn't any deeper meaning to the madness it's never out to seek one so Instead, it just plainly and frankly reveals the pain hidden in every single frame. From the opening moments where you see birds scatter across the sky to whatever they're fleeing from, I guess, whatever horrible force is, is pushing these birds away, is a, is, a, is a family home at the core of the story. It's a, it's a farm. It's a dilapidated farm. The house is falling apart. And there's nothing growing. I mean, so what's the point of keeping this farm, right? 
However, you, you could feel the darkness swirling around this, this story. And you should let yourself go free from their grasp. As if the film is about a curse of people who wouldn't dare speak about the <laughs> remains the same. It's he who should not be named, I guess. I don't know. Then there are those trying to repair broken parts of their lives, even as their efforts are likely doomed to fail. It sucks. But hey, at least you tried. <laughs> the first chapter focuses on the ostensible Josiah, played by a terrifying Robert Patrick, who feels as though he was dared to give this character, um, coming from the Peacemaker series and run for his money, and seeing who the cruelest father he who could be. The Patriarch governs over his remaining adult son, Thomas, played by the awesome Scott Hayes, <clears throat> Excuse me, as his other children have left since and his wife just died. Um, according to the wife's death, she killed herself. She hung herself in a tree, and I guess that's what just split the family apart. Josiah, the father, is a mean drunk whose insensitivity knows no bounds, all of which he takes out on his son, Thomas. Um, though he has also, there's also this mysterious quality to him as he hatches an ominous plan he will force his son to carry out. Now keep in mind, if you have seen this movie, spoiler alert, the father is dead. He's a fucking ghost. Or some kind of memory living in Thomas's head. And it just, going from there, it just fucks everything up. Anyway, in the second chapter, it centers on the never better Nick Stahl. You know Nick Stahl from Terminator 2 as well. No, I'm sorry, Terminator 3. <clears throat> now, The Rise of the Machines. He plays Eli, an extremely flawed man who gets roped into a sinister scheme. He is also a registered sex offender. Um, I guess the story behind that, he met a 16-year-old at a bar, had sex with her, but she told him that she was 18. Even though this guy is very jittery, I'm sorry, jittery, and he his sensibility is... I want to say fragile, I guess. So he is shifty, prone to flying off the handle, and frequently fails to make eye contact to whoever he talks to. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the third and final chapter is best left vague. Although I'm not going to leave it vague because that would be unfair to everyone who's listening to this and watching this video. It involves a woman named Mary, played by Kelly Garner, who is living in an upscale suburb and making her way through the grueling adoption process with her husband, played by Tony Hale. Mary only gets her own story for a short time before Eli shows up on her doorstep asking her to sign papers to sell the family property to the oil company. She decides to accompany him to the farm to settle things in person. And it's only then when screenwriter Robert Allen Diltz and director Vincent Greshaw get to the heart of the matter of what's haunting the Graham family. What's haunting? Woo! <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Yes, it's a very slow burn movie. That's very clearly intended um, as it starts. And the filmmakers pile on the spooky atmosphere. But it's just superficial window dressing for the rather dull, monotonous story. It's a cover-up. It's a hoodwink. You've been hoodwinked. You've been, you've been flim-flammed. Anyway, Grishaw and the cinematographer, Carlos Ritter, shoot the entire movie in dim lighting. That's meant to be eerie but mostly makes it hard to tell what's going on. And Robert 
I sorry if I pronounced your last name wrong. The guy who who did the music, Robert Pasiore, I guess, is full of screeching string instruments that stand in for any actual scares. Until the final act, what Josiah really saw barely even seems like a horror movie. Although the visual style and the music presents itself as something that audiences should be unsettling. <clears throat> I guess to me it was kind of unsettling. I mean, if you're just screeching noises, you're like, what the fuck is going on? And you, you get that, that that thing in the pit of your stomach like, hey? Anyway, then the, the final act of what this movie piles on the trauma and the absurd twists, which come off as more laughable than disturbing. Even though the filmmakers have devoted substantial, sometimes seemingly interminable, time to, e to each character's story, um, so much has been deliberately held back that there's little understanding of these characters as people are, or the reason to care for the horrific past are even revealed in the first place. So, Patrick relishes the chance to play the monstrous patriarch. I mean, he is a really good actor, I'm not going to lie. Um, he's been in a lot of movies. Um, he did play the T-1000 really well in Terminator 2. But the bellowing and the glowering, but Josiah himself, is little more than a plot device. <clears throat> Excuse me. The three main stars deliver performances that are as opaque and subdued as the movie around them. Plenty of horror movies from Ari Ash's Hereditary to Brian Bertino's similar and superior, The Dark and the Wicked, Mind family trauma for terror, but what Josiah saw barely rings any terror out of this familiar history and relationships. Familia, yes, I dropped the familiar word. It's Spanish for family. I'm not being a smart ass, I'm just letting you know. Whatever. The film does, though, as it's moving between genres and the different parts, playing around with our expectations and our feelings. As it plunges towards a horrifying conclusion. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and skip ahead here. The conclusion is not that fucking horrifying, okay? It's a psychological mind spank. It's all it is. It's not horrifying. But there are scenes that feel a little strewn as if it's fighting to fully hold together. You know what I mean? Many moments exist primarily as exposition. Um, need to get out a lot of information very quickly in a manner that can feel a bit awkward. However, especially on a second viewing, the details illuminate as as you will probably discover that everything was almost foreseen. Um, a lot of predictable parts, not going to lie. Every line of dialogue or glimpse of a seemingly disconnected scene ends up being immensely important to both the story as well as the general tone as it tightens up and the hands around your throat just get closer and closer. <clears throat> so, in one particular telling sequence involving a flirtation that shifts into a reading of fortune, there are flashbacks that are inherent or that do intercut with flash forwards that create a tragic sense of inevitability. Like, it's supposed to happen or it's going to happen or it did happen. Of course, even those who enjoy the tragic film will be hard-pressed to watch it again to consciously pick up on all those details. So yeah, you have to watch about two or three times to see what the fuck is actually going on. It took me about four times. <laughs> so I'm saying like, what the hell is going on here? Why am I so confused? 
Sorry, I had an itch. Still, they lay a foundation to fear the slips into your subconscious and makes the conclusion a little more devastating. It all ends up lingering in a manner that lays you completely flat. Ding dong. So, all in all, after reading about this movie, there are some critics out there who are calling this movie an oppressive meditation on Christianity. What? So, let's back it up here. I'm assuming this because the more Eli and Mary's troubled lives are explored or explored and exposed, the less likely it seems to that what Josiah saw was simply God offering the family an opportunity to save Miriam's soul, Miriam being the mother. If you had any doubts that something like this would ever happen, or something more sinister was going on, the ear-piercing score will fix that right up for you. Like, bam! Anyway, so, with amazing southern gothic imagery, which you're gonna see a lot, I don't know why the director put so much fucking gothic imagery in this movie. I mean, yeah, you got the whole southern shit going on, because it takes place in fucking Texas or some shit, I can't remember. But whatever. Um... If the sight of three kids standing in a cornfield doesn't bother you, or set off any kind of red flags or major alarms, then I don't know what will. <sighs> I'm sorry if I'm sniffling. <sighs> Just now getting over the COVID, so it's slowly, you know, deteriorating, not deteriorating, um, slowly going away, and I'm feeling much better. But most importantly, the film's inaction reveals it for what it truly is, and meditation on religious trauma and Christian guilt. I don't. Yeah, I'm still I'm still baffled by that. <laughs> so, throughout his two hours, Josiah poses a number of emotional questions about Christianity. One he asks, "Is the institution inherently traumatic?" Uh, he also asks, "How do you tell the difference between devils and angels?" Well, that's a valid question, I guess. Um. Yeah, what does forgiveness really look like? So, the difference between devils and angels, telling them apart, I mean, in actual life, if you think about it, what do devils do? What do demons do? They, they prey on the weak, they trick you, they mind fuck you. So yeah, I understand it's kind of hard to understand how to, to differentiate between the two. Anyway, Josiah's reflective mood conveys the artist's nature of the pondering these questions. The haunting images emphasize the notion that there is something rotten lurking just below the surface of this world. <clears throat> and what could that be? Fuck if I know. I mean, there's there's evil everywhere. I mean, come on. I mean, think about it. it it's, it's there. You know it's there. You feel it in your fucking gut. Or you just get that little tingling in the back of your head. Your hair is the back of your neck stand up or something. It's just there. <clears throat> the greatest trick ever pulled was the devil making everyone he believe he did not exist. That's one to keep in mind. So moving on. So the standard white shots big something horrifying to infiltrate the background, a cold color palette and a focus on shadows and silhouettes, which turns as benign as a windmill. If you ask me and, and don't emblem of pure dread, the actors to bring a subtle sense of trepidation to the performances with Patrick stealing the show as a non-gimmicky, wide-eyed wide menace, and Nick Stahl and Garner injecting their lines with a tortured weatherness. I know, that, that's a little, a little 
tongue tie there, but hey, I'm I'm trying to sound smart here, okay? Let me alone. <laughs> Bigger words make me sound more perpendicular. Anyway, <laughs> but there are times the director undermines all these odds by getting overly excited by the possibilities that his ambitious subject matter affords him. The finale seeks to resolve the story following too many threads at once. He's just trying to he's trying too hard in this movie. <clears throat> That's one thing I noticed that he's trying way too hard to unfold this movie in like 20 different directions. So what it all boils down to is simple meditation of one's family trauma or one family's trauma. Yeah. It would have easily joined the ranks of the great cinematic Southern Gothic horrors if he didn't try to unfold it in 30 different directions. All in all, um, it's a great movie, in my opinion, from a psychological standpoint. The younger son hallucinated about his father and his father's wishes to become a better Christian. Um, but I would like to ask this. Is the movie really about a haunting on a farm or someone who has gone batshit crazy over the years due to feeling guilty of being alone? I will leave you to ponder that one. Good luck. <laughs> Until next time, you magnificent sons of bitches out there, thank you for watching and listening to this episode on South Jersey Horror. Without your support, I would not be where I am today. I am very grateful to have listeners and viewers like you. Once again, this is the Horror Hidden signing out, wishing you all a good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. A good morning, a good afternoon, good evening, whatever. I don't know how to say goodbye in Polish or Swedish or whatever. Or whatever language you guys are listening to. Okay, you know what? I have to know. This podcast is listened to in like 20 different countries. How is it being translated? <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> well, someone please message me and let me know how this shit's being translated. I'm curious in a good way here. So email me at south underscore jersey underscore horror at yahoo.com. Or leave me a message in my inbox uh, and, um, oh God, on Anchor FM. And please tell me, how is this shit being translated in Estonia? Enlighten me. <laughs> All right, you freaks and geeks. I will talk to you later. And stay classy. Stay awesome. I love your faces and your voices. <laughs> Take care.